Today's episode of Two Man Advantage is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to gotomeetings.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Hey everybody, it's Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. Pierre Lebrun safely hunkered down in Toronto and right off the top today an absolute huge treat I've been I've been er, Pierre I've been hunting Steve Levy down for months now trying to get him to come on our podcast and it took sadly a pandemic before he would he had had time to come but it's it's a treat to have uh, our old colleague from ESPN the uh, star of stage screen and all other medium Steve Levy joining us today. Steve, how are you? How are things? I hope you're staying healthy and, and safe and sane as as well as you can be in these difficult times. Yeah, well, my schedule is uh, wide open for you guys. In fact, now I could be on with you every single day if you'd like <laughs> for the next, you know, two months. Who knows? No, it's, um, it's, uh, these are strange times, as everyone knows. It's, uh, and it's, uh, it's mostly terrible. So this is a, this is a slice of pie getting a chance to talk for you, with you guys for a few minutes, um, you know, I always love seeing you guys, and you know, one of the many concerns everybody's worried about, obviously hockey, and be awful to miss uh, to miss spending two, two and a half, three weeks with you guys at the Stanley Cup Finals. So I'm still hoping we can get that in, guys. Yeah, well, it just goes to show you, Scotty, that uh, all your efforts to get Steve on our podcast over the last, you know, several weeks, it's a lot easier to get Steve to accept an invitation to a steak dinner, as it turns out, than it is to. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's true, especially, you know. Especially if you guys are buying, for sure. Oh, we've had some good dinners. It, I, you know, Steve always sends yeah, a text right Yeah, we've had some good back. dinners. And I still, I have to say, the other night I was watching uh, with my kids, because for them it would be new, the twins and my oldest. Uh, we were watching game two of the 93 Cup Final, Montreal, L.A., and our good friend Barry Melrose behind the bench. And, of course, the uh, Marty McSorley stick measurement, which my kids said, what's a stick measurement? You don't see that in hockey anymore. And uh, right. every time I see Barry, I keep thinking whenever we have those steak dinners that he has a steak well done. And I just, it just, it, it's, it My just, gosh. it pains me physically to see it every time. Stay fresh off the farm. What are you going to do there, right, Pierre? Uh, I, I think well, he got grade it, 12. I'm not sure, but he, he's, he's not, not educated in fine cuisine. He knows his wine a little bit, not as well as you, but... Uh, yeah, he, he's one of those, you know, that, that swept through Twitter a while back, too. People were saying, you know, how do you eat your steak? And people are just so offended, right, from uh, from chefs to uh, connoisseurs who, you know, people who <laughs> want their steak well done. You know, I, I've started to graduate it a little bit. I used to be like a medium plus guy, and I'm really dropping it down to medium. I'm headed the oh other way gosh. as I get And who knows? That's what you do. You know, when I order a steak now, I order based on how Pierre taught me. I, I always go rare plus because... <laughs> I take my cues on on so many social uh, avenues from Pierre, and yeah. including how I I order my steak, and now I order rare plus. Every once in a while, I'll get a like a, a look askance, like 
okay, come on. Can you, could you be a little bit less precious? But uh, And I love it that way. So, <laughs> oh, and I learned and, uh, that from Pierre. You know, as, as we talk about this, again, just my thoughts go out to all the restaurant owners around North America and the world who are battered, shut down right now, and uh, hope they all recover from this. Um, you know, that's a... That's an honest living for all those people and uh, just just can't wait till the day that we make those reservations again, guys. But but Steve, tell us tell us what your day to day has been like since the whole world has shut down on us here. So I got the young mm-hmm. twins like you do, Pierre. So um, I'm doing a lot of the homeschooling. Uh, my kid's mom has a full time, you know, sort of serious day job that she can do from home. So she really can't. So I'm getting the the majority of the homeschooling, and and quite frankly, it's a it's kind of a silver lining. I'm really trying, you know me. I'm a I'm a positive guy, a glass always half full, and uh, I'm really enjoying the quality time uh, with my kids at home. Um, I like the fact that we're doing the online online schooling, uh, but it's not like you have to be online at 8 a.m. You can do it tailored around your own personal schedule. So you know me, I'm not much of a morning guy. This is early for me to get up for you guys. Uh, so so your school day starts a little later than usual. It ends a little later, but we get it all done. And um, listen, this is going to be something, guys, that you know, we're going to be talking about. And you know, I'm not going to be talking about it in 50 years, but somebody else will be talking about it in 50 years. And this is, an, you know, this is an all-time situation really never seen before, I think, in terms of the levels of uh, who it has touched, literally touched, the impact uh, worldwide, uh, and certainly how it's impacted sports. You know, we've always used sports as part of the healing process, and uh, we can't turn the sports. I think Van Pelt, Scott Van Pelt said it best the other day. What would you do for a a Knicks-Cavs game? You know what I mean? Like, think of the worst (laughs) NBA game you could possibly think of. And we'd kill for, you know, we'd kill for a terrible sporting event right now. Uh, Adam Schefter came up with the idea, and I thought this was really smart, and I don't think the league is going to do it, but he said make the NFL draft do one round every night. Instead of seven rounds into three days, two and a half days, give us a round every night, right? We're just dying well, for the, something the, every the, night. The NFL is, So, you know, people would tune yeah, in for the seventh you're, round. You're, uh, you're still dial, dialed in uh, with your contacts in the NFL, but that's the one league that has still been, to some degree, business as usual, right? Interestingly. Yeah, they have not adjusted their calendar, and uh, a lot of people have criticized the league for that. Uh, hey, think about this, guys. You know, this touches five weeks earlier, and, um, you know, there's no Super Bowl, right? Yeah, so, uh, college football championship. The whole, I mean, there's so many theories out there. There's even some people, you know, everybody's talking about pushing back sports, giving it as much time. There is some talk now, and I don't know how much validity I give this argument, but that college football should start earlier, not later, earlier, and finish in August or September. And the thinking there is because uh, the virus has a harder time surviving in the heat, uh, so to take advantage of the warm weather, and because a lot of the experts believe we'll get a second wave of this once the cold weather starts coming again in, in you know late fall and winter. So, you know, we're just waiting to see like everybody else, and. And thankfully, there are a whole lot uh, smarter people out there than I am trying to put these pieces together. So, Steve, you mentioned just before we started to tape that you, you've been away from the studios in Bristol for a, a month or, or, or so. Do you have yeah. a sense of, like, when you go back in at the end of this week, how how different that 
environment will be for you. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the, it, that's a thriving, that's a, it's a town unto itself in, in Bristol. What, do you have a sense of what yeah. awaits you when you actually get in there? Uh, not really. Um, it's got to have a bit of a ghost town feel inside. I mean, for those who, who don't know Bristol, Connecticut, you know, it's a sort of a, a small, sleepy town. I think we have 7,000 ESPN employees that, that work out of that home base. Think about that. I mean, it's, it really is a college campus, kind of college town for that. And, um, so we, we've, we've, you know, we've done just, I think, the minimum. So, for example, we used to have all, you know, there might have been seven live sports centers for us. And I think we're down to three now. And so, uh, you know, we, shut, we had a Los Angeles studio, which is completely shut down now. And we're doing one, just one show at night. You know, there's just, there are no games. So we do one show at night at 11 o'clock. And, uh, and that'll just rerun for a long time. And, uh, really, I've been kept away because, you know, we had a lot of anchors, but I also, you know, they sort of self-quarantined us. I was, um, I was doing the XFL football, and uh, the last game I did featured the Seattle Dragons, and it came out that one player on Seattle had tested positive for the COVID-19. And um, I never came in contact with him, but, you know, Jim Zorn, the legendary Seahawks quarterback, he's their head coach. I definitely, you know, shook his hand at the time on the field, and and so people were concerned. So my whole crew, and again, this is one month ago, uh, but my whole crew was sort of said, you know, hey, stay home, stay out of Bristol for two weeks. And now it's been an additional two weeks. And, and quite frankly, uh, I can't wait to get back to work and, and, uh, and be behind the Sports Center desk come Friday night. So again, we have, we have a lot of people sitting around sort of waiting and checking their calendar every day and sort of waiting for the call from bosses. And, and the bosses are trying to do the best they can with scheduling out people. And and understanding that, hey, we got families to take care of at home and they come first too. So just, Pierre, just before you jump in, when you walk into the studio, do you always make a point of walking by that statue they have of <laughs> Pierre and I there? Like, do you, can you just check in to see you know, if that... I think, or it, it, I think, they've, moved, I think they've moved it. Uh, it's out by the cafeteria now. I yeah, think. it's... Uh, <laughs> when the, the, uh, the, the, the decade that Cheech and Chong uh, covered hockey for ESPN.com, <laughs> um, low rider. Low rider. Oh, by the way, yeah, thanks yeah. for doing Sports Center. We're airing them on TSN, so thank you very much. Good, I'll give you yeah. a shout out. Uh, but a bit interesting, uh, you know, completely guessing and spitballing here as we have lots of time to be doing that. But I wonder, Steve, what sports, pro sports yeah. are going to be like. Uh, you know, let's just focus on our two countries. And, uh, what it's going to be like on the other side of this. Because I think, I think our lives have changed forever. And. You know, I think there are people that may never be comfortable going again to large gatherings. Like, I just think this is going to affect people philosophically and emotionally. Um, and so I think in many ways, television or other digital platforms are going to be bigger than ever in terms of bringing sports into your living room. Uh, you know, that's a that's a very, very fair point. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I think whatever sports, uh, when it does return. It's going to return with empty stadiums and empty arenas to begin. Um, I, I think that's true. You know, I put something on Twitter the other day, and I wasn't trying to be flip, and it was just it just really hit me in the head, and and I thought about you know the handshake could really be something of of the past. I mean, w- we might never go back to shaking hands as a form of of greeting, um, and you know what? Quite frankly, like that's sort of an easy one to give up, right? Like. Haven't you gotten used to, like in the beginning we were dealing with all this, it was you know, sort of a wave, there was the elbow bump, fist bump, uh, nod, and, and like, you know, sort of now it's become sort of almost normalized. And, 
And it's kind of sad because that was always a, a gentleman's way of, of an agreement, right? You look somebody in the eye, you shake his or her hand, and, and you know you meant business. And uh, we might have seen the last of the handshake. So I put that on Twitter, and of course, well, what's the first response I get? Please, not at the end of Stanley Cup playoff series. Can we still have the handshakes for that, you know? Of course, keep the gloves on, right? Do what you got to do. But, no, I, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think this will lead to changes. Uh, we will obviously, as a world, be much more prepared uh, for the next pandemic. And, by the way, let's not fool ourselves. It's coming at some point. There will be another one of some sort. Um, and, uh, and we'll be much more prepared for it the next time. But, yes, I think things will be different. And, uh, and, the, and the mediums will play a, a big role in, in this because, uh, yeah, like the NBA is talking about absolutely playing and they're talking about playing in small arenas because if they're empty, well, really, who cares, right? And I had a buddy who said, and you could do this with the Stanley Cup playoffs as well, if you're going to play in empty arenas, then really a home ice means nothing. You can play the games regardless. And you could do it, you know, tournament style, you know, have a game at noon and three and six and nine. All the teams would gather in, you know, one city or two cities or three cities, whatever that is. But if you're not going to have a crowd anyway, then then the venue doesn't matter as much, and you can make it, you know, much try to make it as, as TV attractive as possible. So, but hey, man, million things out there, you know. Well, I, I actually, uh, I, yeah, I reported this actually yesterday on our insider trading segment, uh, Steve, that the one of the options the NHL has looked at according to sources is you know if they start with a 16 team playoff that that it'd be centralized in four different cities um now again that's not their number one preference at all they much rather have traditional you know playoffs in 16 different cities but i'm saying if the health crisis forces their hand that's actually one of the things they've, how, they've guys, talked about yeah go, uh, go ahead i was just i was gonna say how how far do you think the nhl can go in terms of watered down and still crown a Stanley Cup champion, could they could they go best of three in a first round, best of five, and could you you know, and then best of seven only in the Cup final? Could you go three rounds? Could you you know have less than sixteen teams mm-hmm. in the playoffs? Like how far could the NHL go to get this done? I know one thing that that Gary Bedman has has reminded both. Uh, his owners and general managers on conference calls that they've had the last couple of weeks and in, in some of his media interviews is that whatever format that they come up with, and they've looked at a whole bunch, Steve, that it has to have, quote, uh, fairness and integrity. He's used that word a lot. So I think if if he's used that word, I, I feel like outside of maybe a best of five in the first round, I feel like the rest yep. has to be best of sevens and it has to be yep. minimum 16 teams. So I, I don't think they're going to shrink it past the minimum is what i'm saying yeah well and i think steven you know there's certainly it's been interesting to watch the players the nhl i don't know if you saw any of it but had the zoom video um conferences over the last four or five days weekdays where basically there was a player from each of the 31 teams uh talking about their lives etc etc and and it was interesting to hear their impressions of what might to be the, the most fair or what's the best way to handle it um you know lots of players um you know would like to play some games before a playoff starts but a lot of people talked about the you know whether it was Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid about the integrity of the playoffs I think I think we're all in agreement that you know if it's safe enough to play at some point it's important to play the games I've Pierre and I've been talking about this now for three weeks where I really think it is important that a Stanley Cup champion 
is crowned if it's safe to do so. I think it's important on a whole bunch of levels. But, you know, it can't be, Steve, you're right. You can't just, you know, manufacture, okay, let's take, you know, the top four teams from each conference and, you know, smash something together and then have a a champion. But um, I, I think it is important to give as much time as possible. Don't rush into canceling anything i don't i don't see that there's any reason to let's see how this plays out no one knows but if there are if there's an opportunity and if there are four or five cities that are way ahead of the curve in terms of becoming safe and getting back to normal where people are you know you're going to be able to have some sort of tournament or however you want to play it out then okay then start to look at those examples but uh, you know to your point i i'm with pierre i would i would guess at the very least, a conference final and a final have to be best of seven. And I think, frankly, you know, probably anything past the first round has to be best of seven just to maintain that integrity. But hopefully we get to that point and it's, it, you know, it's a question of if it's safe, then let's then let's play it. And if you want to expand the playoff grid to have a play in or, you know, because it's hard for those teams that were percentage points out and having played fewer games or, you know, it's not it's not a, even across the board. So, so I, I think I, hope, yeah. I think that the key to the Stanley Cup playoff and the Cup champion, to me, the difference where it is separated from every other professional sport is the grind. The grind mm-hmm. itself is the thing that makes the Cup so special. And can you still have that grind if you don't go four rounds, best of seven? Look, you probably can. If you're only going to shorten the first round, I get it. What I don't want to happen, guys, and, you know, they always say, hey, follow the money, right, the money trail. Finances obviously play a role. Hey, it plays a role in everything. We all get that. But, you know, you wouldn't want the league to rush back to get X amount of home dates still for regular season. Let's, let's not let finances dictate any of this, right? That's not the reason yeah. to play best of seven series. So, you know, again, there's no home gates, so we're not worried about that aspect of the finances. But where television plays a role, let's just let's just do it for the right reason. You know what I mean? And and listen, I hope I'm wrong because I Scott's right, Steve. I do hope we see a Stanley Cup tournament. But I've for a few weeks now, Scott knows. I and it's again, it's just a gut feeling. But I just you know I'm watching the health experts every day and reading what they have to say. I just don't think there'll be hockey again until next season. And again, I, I I've never wanted to be more wrong. Yeah, but it's I, I really I felt that now for a couple of weeks, you know. And uh, Kirk, Kirk Herbstreit came out made big news. He's our you know he's our lead college football voice, our our arguably our signature analyst in any sport on our network here in the states. And uh, he came out and said he would not be surprised if there was no college or NFL season. And he said that this past week. So I mean that you know that stuff is out there. I wonder, and you guys would know this better than I would. Uh, I'm trying to think of a better phrase. Is is there an end date in mind where, past a certain point, they would have to cancel everything in the NHL? Like how can, they can play till August, I guess, right? But then you know, don't you start running into next season? And and how does that mm-hmm. all play out? Yeah, so we've talked about that. So what the league has, uh, the league asked uh, on a conference call last week that the league asked teams for their billing availabilities through August, Steve. 
And uh, I think they're prepared, in fact, to play playoff games into September. Wow. And then, yeah, and then uh, and then the idea would be an October off season, and then you start the following year in November instead of October, so a one-month delay. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you cancel All-Star, which w- would have been South Florida, <laughs> and yep. you cancel uh, the bye weeks. Uh, you, you know, the bye weeks in All-Star this year created a 10-day gap in team schedule, so now you get those 10 days back. And then you go Stanley Cup into late June in 21. That that's an idea that's out there. Yep. Yep. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll see the light of day. I mean, at some point, you know, I, I I've been saying since the beginning, and this is not based on anything the league has told me. It's more just me sitting back looking at all this. I think by late April, so a month from now, you know, four weeks from now, I think the league has to have a, a decent idea of where this is going. You know, maybe it maybe it goes into May, but I, I think it's going to have to know whether it can play a, a year or not. I I don't know that you can just let this bleed into forever before you're deciding if you have a season or not. Well, but I think that's part of what you've seen around the world, right? I mean, you have a sense of, you know, of, of the the alpha wave. We keep talking about flattening the curve, but I mean, we should have a pretty good sense in four or five weeks of where we are in terms of our battle against this and whether we are making headway and people are doing the right things and it's and it's working out and uh, yeah so it's not I think the interesting thing especially with the Olympics being postponed into 21 um it, and you know it just does open up a a huge window for the NHL and all of this of course is predicated that it you know that it does get better and people are getting healthy and it's safe to do it right and like we're not talking you know, we're not talking about jamming this in, as Steve says. It's just—it's not a financial thing. It's can we make this work? Because it'll be important to make it work if we can. But um, yeah, I think that the timeline—I I just don't think we should be in any rush, right? And we, this is a time for patience, and I think that's what everyone has to to keep in mind. We, there's no need to to rush ahead and say, and, and besides, okay, we're we, done. we definitely need a—we definitely need an NFL season, Steve, because <laughs> the. the, the, the the NFL has expanded the playoffs yes. in the first round, which means the Cowboys are definitely making it next you, year. Like, come the on. The NFC East, of course. I knew you'd take that side of things. Hey, can I, can I give you this one? So here's a Levy bright side. Here's the upside. Here's the way I think. Could you imagine if hockey, the NHL, could start back in, I don't know, you know, May, or June even, even July we play playoffs. Could you imagine how fresh, how strong – how healthy the best players in the world would be. Like, we could see some epic performances, right? Like, you guys know, these these teams are grinding to the very end to solidify their seating and the playoff spots. They're already banged up once the playoffs begin. I mean, you could see the best players really in the, you know, obviously the game shape would be the only issue, but could be, you know, 100% healthy going into the playoffs, and that never happens, and that would be neat to see too. So with Steve, on these conference, these video conference calls, it was interesting that how many players said the exact same thing. You know, I think when Mark Giordano might have been one of the first, but he was like, this could be epic competition. It may be the most competitive playoff, you know, pick your timeline, maybe forever if it can if it can happen but you're right and you think around the nhl and you you know how pierre and i talked with this right up until when the games were canceled the you know the injuries to guys like chris Kreider and dougie hamilton and um you know when's vladimir tarasenko coming back and and you look around now with the timelines we're talking about there are very few of the injured players that 
that wouldn't, in theory, be available to step onto the ice in whatever format the playoffs uh, take. And, I, and I'm with you. And, you know, Pierre knows me. I'm like Joe Pollyanna, so that's just me. But I, I'm like, I, I just think it has the potential to be something memorable and 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 maybe we'll learn some maybe we'll learn something from if it does come back about how we approach the game and how we structure it and and those kinds of things but uh I, i'm with you steve i think it has the potential to be uh, outstanding pierre do you have anything final you would like to ask steve i see and now we're already we're we keep going I, I wanted to ask steve but i didn't realize this about steve until I, you know, I did a little research before we went on here, that Steve has been on the air, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, for the three longest ever hockey games, all playoff games, obviously, but you broadcast three of three, the three longest broadcast games in NHL history. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. That's, isn't that odd? Like, you know, that's one of those things. Is, hey, you've done that. I'm like, you know, there's, there's no skill to that, really. That's sort of fluke, <laughs> lucky, right? You just happen to be in the building on those nights. Uh, but, yeah, the three longest televised games in hockey history. It's, it's quite amazing, yeah. They, uh, people have been yeah, doing it so, on, okay. on Twitter, right? They've said, uh, hey, give me the four most important hockey players in your life, right? I'm sure you guys have seen those polls, and you tag somebody else. And... Um, so I gave three of the four to the three goal scorers in those three games. Uh, Keith Primo, Peter Sikora, yes. Peter Nedved, and I made Melrose my fourth. You know, whatever. I had to fill out the <laughs> uh, But yeah, I've been, you know, and, and the writers in those days just hated me, right? Because I would walk into the booth and, ah, oh, there goes the deadline, you know, back in the day and all that stuff. So Yes. Yeah, I've been lucky. I, I, lucky I always uh, games. That's the one thing fans always struggle with during the playoffs. Where <laughs> we're always like, no overtime, no overtime. All the media at the game. <laughs> That's the one thing we don't want. Whereas the fan at home, all they want is overtime. Right. See, it's always different if you're on the road on an off night watching a game. I'm I'm all for those double, triple overtime games. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're sitting in the press box grinding out a column, it uh, and you got three or four different. Uh, you know, column lengths going, and it, depending on how it turns out, that's a, that's never a great thing. So. Actually, I, I always enjoyed that. You know, so during our days together, like we were just doing pre and post games because we didn't have the rights to the Stanley Cup final. But I loved seeing how you guys huddled uh, with your colleagues at like each intermission, like, and you you sort of set up the strategy. Go, you have pre game strategy. Then something happens in the first period. How are we going to attack that? And then in the second period, I I always got a kick out of seeing how you guys handled that and. And it's it's just it's such a totally different uh, skill set and preparation level, the writing aspect as opposed to the broadcasting. You know, I I can't do anything about it on my end, right? Like I'm just I'm calling the game, and what happens happens. But you guys have to have a a strategy. I did have to have a strategy after the first five overtime game I got into. Uh, <laughs> I I just the sort of first time I was just so totally ill prepared for this, right? You could never imagine. <laughs> You know, going into a fifth overtime, that's insanity. And I just totally ran out of words. I, I really did. I had, <laughs> I had zero description. And I was with uh, Daryl Ray, who's, who's brilliant on the, on the Dallas Stars broadcast now back in the he day. sure is. Uh, Panger was with me for the other two, but the first one was with Daryl Ray. And at one point, I was just, you know, Lemieux, Smith, Thompson, <laughs> just, just trying to identify, right? And at one point, at one point, there's a lull and there's nothing. 
And, and Razor looks over at what television, but Razor looks over at me, and I just said, what? Like that. I mean, I was just, I was gassed, okay? And all I could think about was, you know what? They're going to replay the goal, whatever the goal is. They're going to replay it, you know, for a long time. And I need to be on top of this call, you know, blue line in kind of thing. And uh, I got lucky. That was Peter Nedved uh, in the old cap center. And, um, and I remember, and this is so hockey, right? 2.30 in the morning, he comes out and does a live interview with us, right? You're not getting that in other sports, <laughs> you know what I mean? It really, it was, like, yeah. it was like 2.30 in the morning. It was insanity. And, um, yeah, but so, so my point is the next time I had a four or five overtime game, I was much more prepared. I was able to conserve my energy and my words and try to come up with a little description like, he shoots, he scores, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when you would... You could you could have revealed everything about those sessions that you saw Scotty and I uh, strategize about our coverage. You, you could have just said it was in, it was entertaining to see him and I bicker like a married couple. Uh, it was just, <laughs> you could have said it, Steve. It was it was just so good. And so you guys are holding court. You're sitting down. Like the people are standing up around you, beside you, in like a semicircle. Your minions and um, uh, just great to see uh, two aces. Uh, with the expert at their craft go to work. And it was so far to me because, you know, I pretty much I got Barry next to me and I'm just saying, hey, Barry, here's what we're doing, you know, and he, that's how we go, so. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know what, this has been, we've already gone beyond the time that I told you we would keep you and so we, we're appreciative of that. And, and this is, and this podcast, so just, you know, back in the day, I still tell the story about uh, when we used to do a podcast together during the Stanley Cup final. Uh, at ESPN, and it was it was a mic in my little tape recorder, and we just handed the mic around. If we were standing, I remember standing in a semicircle at the Prudential Center in New Jersey, and I do remember at one point Steve said, "Oh, you know, do you want me to host it? Like, do you want me to? You know, I'm like, I'm like, dude, do not touch the microphone. I, I'll be holding the microphone. In fact, I don't even think I let go of it. I just held it out to everyone. And when you tried to, I was like, no." No one holds the mic but me. I do remember that, and it was the first one we did. And uh, yeah, I had a hallway, some dark hallway, and I just assumed I would be the host. Nobody's ever asked me a question in my life, you know? I'm always <laughs> asking the question. It, it was kind of nice to be asked something. And I think, Scotty, I try to work on your questions with you a little bit, a little long winded, you know? Yeah, a little, little bit. Pointed, you know? Let's <laughs> You know me, I just try to get the score right and go to break on time. That's my thing. So, Good times, good memories. Well, well Steve, great to have you on, my friend. And uh, until uh, until the next cigar, that'll be a great moment for sure, yeah. If uh, whenever that moment comes. I'm counting on that, guys. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Thanks for yeah. having me on, and I'll uh, get back to homeschooling. And, and you guys take care of yourselves and, and, and your loved ones as well. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. It's been it's a treat. It's always great to, great to catch up and and let's make a point of it. Uh, whether it's Labor Day weekend or whenever we uh, we gather for hopefully the twenty twenty Stanley Cup final, let's let's make let's make sure we celebrate it properly. Exactly. So hey, take I'm, care of yours I'm, as well. I'm free tomorrow. If you guys want to do this again, I'm good tomorrow. <laughs> no, does that work for you guys? I'm open like you know from eight a.m. to seven p.m. If that's a good window for you guys. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll we, get back to you on that, Steve. <laughs> Pierre, that's, uh, you know, in these days, you need to have moments where you can, where you just have some fun, right? It's hard, it's hard to do, and it's hard the way we are now, where we're all in our own little bubble, and I, I, I don't know how it, you know, with with your three kids and with Stacy and, like, it's, 
it's it's hard. It's a real it's a struggle to, you know, sort of stay engaged and connected and and to have a conversation like that with Steve. Um, man, that's I I feel I feel better about myself. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, and we've had some amazing nights uh, with Steve and Barry, and uh, you know I cherish those nights. And I'll tell you one thing: whenever the world does come back, uh, we'll never take anything like that for granted. That's for sure. Eh? The rest of our careers, and it, uh, it, you know, it's and it will come back, and that's what's we have to keep reminding ourselves. Uh, it'll be different. It'll be different. I think I really do believe that, but. Um, you know, uh, we will get sports back and, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll go back to our same old argument, Scotty, that, uh, has always left you and I on different sides. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I want to, you know, some, we'll get a little bit of time here before we wrap this up, but, uh, um, did you get a chance? Did you watch, uh, did you tune into any of the player video things? Like that was, it was, Listen, it, it it wasn't perfect, um, but it was. I just, I it was so interesting as the NHL set this uh, this up over the course of well, it was four days because they did a division a day and then two calls per day, so there were you know <laughs> four and then four. Um, but it was, you know, it was it, it was fun to watch, especially some of the guys who were really engaged. Some guys, it's you know, they're not that outgoing or effusive but you know to i don't know if you saw the one where ryan gets left literally first of all he, we're it, you know he's talking <laughs> we're talking with some of the other pacific division guys i think Andre kopitar was on in that group um and uh, he's like oh there goes my nine-year-old driving a golf cart uh well, you know what could go wrong and then literally picks up the computer and takes us outside and shows us this chicken coop he's building like it was just like it, it was magical stuff in a time where we're pretty short on magic. And, and I don't know if you saw any of them, or you know what what the feeling is like for you in in trying to stay connected to to the game at a time when we are disconnected. Yeah, and I think it's been uh, you know it is what it is, and you know I credit the NHLPA and the NHL for getting together, and that's what's ha- that's what happened is the league and the union fairly early on in this pause. Uh, started having conversations about how to reconnect to their fan bases and, and, and what could they do with players and coaches and GMs have also had media availabilities and, and you have to do that right now. You know, I mean, I think you think about what fans are going through right now in their real lives and, and it's just so such a difficult time. And so whatever you can do, you know, as a league and as a player association to try and get your players to reconnect. I think it's, frankly, it's, it's, it's tremendous. And, you know, I, I think journalistically it's not ideal. Like, I, I don't know that we've, you know, I, I don't know that anything you're getting off those calls uh, translates that well to the written word. But I, I think just their mere presence and their interaction is, is what's key. Yeah. And, and let's, you know, listen, some you know some teams get it more and than others and and um you know there are teams around the nhl you hear anecdotally from our colleagues who are are covering on the ground and there are some teams who who aren't making that effort and you know what i think that's a shame and i think it's uh you know it just that is the disappointing part is when you have teams who don't want to make the effort to try and connect and and stay relevant to their fans through the media that that's 
you know that's a problem but uh, yeah it is it, it, we're everyone's trying to sort this out for the, the for the first time and I, you know like for me I, I'll tell you uh, I'm gonna plug a piece now I have to write it because I haven't it's sort of half written but it, uh, I uh, interviewed the author Frederick Backman who wrote Bear Town in the Bear Town series which is a hockey theme series and uh, a book I read uh, I don't know two or three years ago and it's just he was so unbelievable just talking about his passion for the game and the and really sort of tying it into the craft of writing which I found really interesting um so sometimes you have to you got you do you have to step outside the box a little bit to find um stories to to work on I'm I'm working on a piece now I'm trying to track down uh guys from that uh, 85 86 Hartford Whalers team so the <laughs> Whaler team the only team that ever playoff after series coaching or GMing aren't they <laughs> well exactly but that's the fascinating part right I mean then you know again now I got to do the work since I've talked about it but um you know started talking to some of the former players and and just what their bond was like and how so many have continued on in the game you know right off the top Joel Quenville Dave Tippett and you know you go down the list yeah, uh, Francis, so you do have to uh, yeah. Francis oh my gosh. Team, yeah. Right. Was yes, Ray Ferraro? Exactly. So, was Ray Ferraro on that team? Ray not? Ferraro. Yeah. I haven't yeah. bugged Ray yet. I figure Ray, I, I want. I need to block out an hour with Ray to talk about that. So. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so those you you do have to think outside the box a little bit, and uh, um, so that's that's good. Yeah, and I, I'm think, curious. You know, I think I think the athletics, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not including myself in this because I've been focused on the news of the pause, but I think the rest of our group uh, yourself included but been a lot of good original content at the athletics since the pause and a lot for our readers to to chew on and you do have to think differently and try to come at this uh, in a different way and uh you know I, I think we've done a good job of that as a group yeah well this yeah it's a good segue because a couple i just want to mention a couple and we it's not just the written work but Lots of our our podcast colleagues are doing work, and as you might imagine, it's it's mayhem at the Kachuk compound in St. Louis. Big Walt's boys, so Brady's there, uh, and Matthew Brady of the Senators, who was on the call actually with the video call from the uh, Atlantic Division. Matthew's home from Calgary, uh, and they are going to join Barrett Jackman and and Jeremy Rutherford on We Went Blues this week on the podcast there. So nice. that will be you know what they could do an entire mini series uh, during the the pause on what goes on it you know if you could get remote cameras or drones I, I would watch that every single day so i wonder if they know what jeremy rutherford's nickname is from his uh, friends remember we went to <laughs> dinner at his house his friends told us his nickname we can't share it on the podcast it's, you can't i, I, was I, I just don't gonna, think so i don't think so well, well, it's kind of disappointing now that you brought it up. Now, people are going to go, why wouldn't he? Because now they'll think it's dirty. It's not a dirty I'll thing. tell you. We'll, we'll let Jeremy share it on the podcast if, if he feels like he should okay. share it. We'll have to tell him that we did that. Um, just before I let you go, like, and you are you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on around the league. Do you? What's your, you know, there, there must be a sense of, uh, maybe it's not even frustration, but maybe what is what's your sense of how people are you know sort of you know how are they moving through this because there's so many moving parts and so many unknowns as we keep talking about but yeah. do you have an overall sense of how you know just how things are progressing as as we wait for more clarity on when or if things are going to be possible yeah well in the short term i can tell you uh, tell you that the league sent out another memo yesterday um, to all the 31 teams and the, and the players got a version of it as well, just 
as you know, it's as Darren Dreger first reported, but the self-quarantine extended through uh, Wednesday, April 15th. And let's be honest, I think it'll be past April 15th, but they're sort of biting one chunk at a time on the self-quarantine. And eventually they, they want to loosen it if they can so that small groups and players can start working out in small groups, right, at team facilities. But uh, that is not there yet. Um, in the bigger picture, I mean, that's why I wrote that piece uh, this week, Scotty, about you know how the league gets out of this on the other end because i think that the damage to revenues and the damage to the business will be significant um as it will for every league but you know hockey we know where it is on the totem pole uh, south of the border and um you know i i think that it's imperative and this is what i'm starting to hear more and more that the nhlpa and the league do something they've never done in all the years you and i have covered the nhl 25 plus years and that's extend the CBA without uh, a battle uh, you know labor peace they're, they're not going to have a choice I, I mean if this game stops again in two years uh, when the CBA expires then it, it's just unfair like I cannot believe how dumb that would be I mean you know it's going to take a few years to get out of of the damage that the business is going to incur here. And again, it's no one's fault. This is an unbelievable time in our lives with the health crisis. But at the end of the day, the result is going to be people that can't afford tickets, sponsors that can't afford to sponsor, people that are uncomfortable going into arenas and large gatherings. And how do you get out of this? And what's the impact on the business? And I think because of that, what I'm hearing when I talk to player agents and team executives is that they need to sit down here over the next year and hammer out a long-term CBA that brings some form of stability so that this, you know, so that the league can, uh, the players and the owners can get through this. Yeah. No, I think you think you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, I thought with, you know, the last couple of weeks when we've had first Bill, <clears throat> Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, and then last week with Donald Fear, the executive director of the NHLPA, it's, yeah, because it isn't a, us against them kind of thing. Yeah, I, I do hope that this becomes um, fertile ground for, you know, an unprecedented relationship moving forward and, and shame on them if they can, if they can't get it done. That's the that that's the bottom line. But I, I, I'm optimistic like you are that this, you know, that, that there if there are good things that come out of this, whenever this comes to an end, maybe maybe this is one of them. And the game deserves it game deserves lots of stability moving forward whenever this is over. And before we go, Scotty, we, we have to mention this. I know it. everyone's mentioning it, but it really, from the bottom of my heart, just again, the, the images I'm seeing, I was watching 60 Minutes on the weekend, and they had amazing footage of what it's like right now in a hospital. I was in a Long Island hospital, and just the, the health professionals right now, yeah. nurses and doctors and everyone involved, dealing with this fucking virus, uh, I just... I just want to thank them, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, that's it's well said, my friend. Uh, and brutal. Good. All right. Uh, so don't forget, uh, please rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com/slash Two Man Advantage, you'll get forty percent off your subscription to the Athletic. So you should go ahead and do that. And uh, next week, who knows? Who knows what? 
we will come up with <laughs> next week, my friend. But I, I'm already looking forward to it because I, 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 I really look forward to these times now. Really, I'm, you know, it's, uh, it helps me connect and, and stay positive and upbeat. And uh, I can't wait to, to see what we come up with next week. So good work by you today. Sounds good, buddy. We'll chat then. Mm-hmm.